Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 65 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, Angelo, first things first, we are continuing with summer hours here. Uh, I feel like we should drop the words summer hours and just say like a special summer edition. Yeah, and it's really not that much shorter than our regular episodes, like what, 15 minutes shorter we've been doing? Yeah, like five Maybe. to 15, yeah. Yeah, so eh, it's just summer. That's all it is. Summertime, we're podcasting in the summer when people have less time to listen to podcasts. But we're hoping you're making the time for us. Yeah, we are hoping that you're hanging out by a, a body of water, such as a, a pool or a lake. Now, Angelo, do you have a favorite um, sort of like inner tube, like uh, figure size shape? That's the oddest question I've ever had from you. And we have a paranormal podcast. Uh, <laughs> like round with a hole in it, I guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You, you're not a fan of like a, a shark-shaped one or... We like actually a, have... A Star Wars Episode One Naboo Starfighter uh, thing in our. Were those pool. on clearance? No. Well, my sister got her a pool, and her kids are like what fifteen years? No, even more than yeah, fifteen years older than my kids. So uh, they had one from the late nineties, early two thousands that they used for their kids. And yeah, when my nephew saw it on Instagram, he's like, "I think that was mine." And uh, so you were keeping the spirit of mediocre films alive. Yeah, we have that, and we have a shark, and uh, we have just regular mattresses. All right, fair enough. I thought I'd ask, maybe you had a weird one, which you kind of do, uh, and so I'm silently judging you alongside uh, our other listeners who are not fans of episode one, but if you're a fan, hey, that's cool. Um, We all enjoy odd things, I guess. I guess we do. It wouldn't be a double uh, density uh, podcast without a mention, uh, and not in passing this time, of Apple. So this week, or rather recently, Apple has uh, unveiled a new line of MacBook Pros. It's basically a a spec bump at this point. They didn't update the non-touch bar ones. It's only the touch bar MacBook Pros. The real, let's say, ones that are aimed at pros. I would never recommend one of these computers to a non-pro, maybe the 13-inch one, but you know that that's a lot of computer for just emails and uh, surfing the web, as they say. A, a little too much power. So if you're a creative type, really good to use. If yes. not, what would you suggest? Nothing? An iPad problem? Uh, I still have nothing to recommend, unfortunately, on Apple's end. Maybe the non-touch bar 13-inch MacBook Pro, probably the best one for a non-pro. But even at that, it gives you those issues with just having USB-C. Yeah, right. But they're still decent computers. But those don't have this new fancy third-generation keyboard that Apple is touting as being even quieter, with no mention of them actually preventing the problem of specks of dust causing catastrophic failures. And then trying to charge you hundreds of dollars to fix it. Well, not anymore, luckily, finally. Well, I mean, like, formerly. <laughs> Formally, yes. And I think even at that, it was pretty rare. Most people would get a free fix, but I'm glad they started that thing. But like we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, why four years? They should make it longer than that. And now these new ones aren't covered in that warranty replacement that, uh, what's it called? Repair program. Yeah. I fix it tore down one of these new 13-inch MacBooks with the touch bar. That's a mouthful, isn't it? It is. And there's a silicone cover in the uh, keyboard basically to prevent specks of dust from destroying these poor computers. And the thing is, is people were rumoring, is that, is that something that people were rumoring? There were rumors of There were people, rumors of. Yeah, there were rumors of them actually using these new keyboards to replace the ones 
with the repair program, but according to... That is not the case. No, that is not the case. Uh, There's an article on 512 Pixels that talks about that, how they're not being used. I'll link it in the show notes. So that's unfortunate. If your computer breaks and you have one of the older ones, you're not going to get one of these fancy ones with the silicone cover. Hopefully, that cover does something extra. Apple is totally not talking about it being... Nope. A protection. They're just saying, no, no, it's just quieter. This is just to make it quieter. Obviously, they don't want to have any issues with them saying, uh, people saying, aha, see, you guys knew there was something wrong with these keyboards. This is like the equivalent of like duct taping the elephant in the room's mouth shut almost. You know what I mean? They're just kind of shying it away and saying, no, 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 no. Look over here. Look, it's third gen. It's amazing. Quiet. Right. It's new. It's, it's got silicone. I haven't, I haven't gone to the Apple store yet to give one a try. Um, have you? Is that something that you do when there are new models out that you tend to like just go window shopping, but not really window shop? I'd like to say I do, but I really don't. I, I, as much as I tout myself as an Apple enthusiast, I don't care much. I don't care enough to actually go to the Apple store to check something out that I have no intention of buying. Like I haven't even gone to see what a HomePod looks like in person. Wow. Okay. So you are behind the curve, my friend. But I mean, the number of videos out there kind of makes up for the fact that you don't physically get to touch one, right? So I feel like it's kind of like you got yourself covered. Exactly. And I, I literally walk in front of an Apple store every workday. Does it whisper to you? Do you do the sign of the Apple often? No, I don't. Stop that, Brian. You're fallen. Fallen. Yeah. Happen. So I, I just walk by. I've seen the HomePods. They're actually kind of neat looking, but uh, $450 worth? No. As I was saying, I think a couple episodes ago, that's the price of a Switch right there. Uh, less than that, actually. And uh, totally going to buy a Switch instead of a HomePod. There we go. I'm glad that you're making the right choice. Your family applauds you and you already have some Google Homes anyways, right? So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I may Look, I may eventually get a HomePod basically to have as a stereo system like they did in the 70s and 80s. Um, but right now, totally not in the budget. I'm glad to hear that. Congrats on, uh, one, like I was saying, like being the responsible family man that you want to be. Uh, last Apple item on the docket, and I know a couple episodes ago we talked about you maintaining one item, uh, Apple item per episode, but I will allow you a, a sort of tertiary uh, Apple item here. Um, so the floor is yours. Well, this is just a fun thing on on World Emoji Day, which is now an actual thing, which is kind of cool. Um, Apple emojified all their um, executives on the executive page, I uh, took a screenshot. I'll put that in the uh, show notes. Uh, I, I find the Johnny Ive one is hilarious. <laughs> so do you feel like the Apple intelligentsia sort of like flipped out over this? Is that something that pays like lip service to fanboys everywhere? That's the kind of thing that they notice. So therefore you get enthused by? Yeah, I guess. I, I, I like the, I like them. It's kind of funny. Uh, the Philip Schiller one is r- really funny. He's got quite the mane of hair. He really, really does. It's uh, they're interesting. We'll yeah, we'll post a link or rather one of the images in the show notes. Uh, kind of not really relevant to uh, the core Apple values or anything, but nice to know that it exists. Yeah, and I, I wonder if they actually got to pick their own emoji. Uh, I think Phil would have because he's he's actually a fun, uh, a seemingly fun person uh, for somebody who's an executive at a giant corporation. Yeah, it's all about that public persona. Johnny Ive, not seemingly a very fun person. I don't know. Uh, brilliant again, designer. Public persona. What yeah. if they were like inverse? Yeah. Uh, you know who actually seems the most genuine of these uh, executives is uh, Craig Federighi. Uh, so, um, so the cult of Apple, these Apple personalities, you've uh, ascribed um, emotions and feelings towards them, it seems. Well, they're because they're the ones that present these things at the keynotes, and uh, Craig Federighi seems like a decent dude. Okay, so I'm glad to hear that you have your normal family and your Apple family. I do. All right, next story, Brian. 
so we're big on like uh, the personal privacy responsibility, um, a big brother kind of encroaching upon our spaces. And we have a pair of articles this week, one from the outline and one from the New York times reputedly, I guess the, uh, the paper of record right now about, um, how companies are surveilling us in different ways. I've heard so many anecdotes from friends of mine, uh, my wife included, actually, she says she'll talk about something and it'll show up on her computer or on her phone. Uh, she just actually recently started using Instagram and uh, she'll see them there. It's really strange. I find I don't have that much of an issue, especially Instagram. The ads they serve me are completely irrelevant to me, apart from basically being more or less local things like Canadian banks and things like that. But um, yeah, I don't even get Apple ads. Really, I do all the time on Instagram. <laughs> I'm subscribed to their Instagram account, though, so I don't think I don't think that they they know that I'm subscribed. They're to not the called account. ads if they can offer them to you freely as content. Exactly. So the first article is from the outline, and it's by Oscar Schwartz, and it starts with this weird anecdote about how he was given a gift of a a ceremonial knife from a friend, and he hadn't placed the knife on the internet. There was nothing about it that he had um, digitized, and then suddenly he started seeing ads about them. That's really uh, disconcerting, I guess, would be uh, the right word. Uh, you kind of worry, how? How does this happen? I just got this thing, and all of a sudden, it's on my phone without any prompting. Has, has this happened to you personally? If you, like, if you could think of an example, because there's a couple for me that I can think of. Things like cat food. Um, I'm trying to think about those like different. There was books the Apple Watch when bought. we talked about the Apple Watch. Oh, right, yeah. And then there was the ads on, on Twitter that had appeared afterwards after we talked about the Apple Watch. No, not really. Uh, I get a lot of ads for microphones, but that's the normal Amazon cookies that I, I was looking at it on Amazon. So that's easily explainable. Nothing um, that I would say uh, would be unexplained. So uh, this uh, Oscar Schwartz article um, covers the work of these two artists. So uh, Tega Brain and Sam Levine, who've formed a new website called New Organs. So they formed this last month and they've collected testimonials of um, stories of people actually who have had these like weird coincidences or incidences happen where they uh, talk about something privately with someone. And then suddenly sometime later, they'll start seeing uh, ads appear for these, you know, or being tracked via geolocation or things like that. Yeah. And, and it's, I think this is going way beyond the anecdotes I said, um, uh, what do you think of them calling it new organs? It's a really interesting uh, way of describing the things that are happening to us because like, what is an organ, but like something that helps the body, right? Either collect or dispense of things. And I feel like perhaps this is um, a good extension of that. Well, uh, there's a quote from the article I, I, I took note of, and it says, in other words, these new methods of data collection have become so uncannily accurate in their knowledge of you as to occasionally feel indistinguishable from actual ears listening in and understanding intimate conversations. So ears listening, those are, are ears organs. I guess they're senses, but yes. no, the ears an organ. So there they're we organ, go. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's super insane how like, and so um, part of the article breaks down the idea that, um, the the bandwidth needed to collect audio recordings is so large that it, for advertisers it's not feasible. But I feel like it's almost like a catch and release where they maybe pick up on keywords and then storing those or noting those. They then uh, serve you ads based on these things because I feel like that's uh, a more realistic way of viewing things instead of like thinking like they record every single instance of us um, talking or looking at something. Do you think my Google Home is listening to me right now? Honestly, probably. It would not surprise me at all, actually. Because the way I understand it, it's listening for a keyword. Yeah. But it's not really recording. What, it's hearing me, but it's not recording it. Yeah, and I feel like this also breeds a certain kind of paranoia too, right? That Big Brother is in fact listening. And 
So, okay. So I feel like there's two kind of tracks we can take. There's the commercial track as well as the um, security track. So the security track has more to do with like the NSA, the CIA, all of the like the alphabet soup organizations and the ways in which they can actually tap your phone or your computer or open up ports in order to listen. And, and that is a fact. That is something that has been proven time and time again, especially with the Snowden dumps, um, that the NSA in particular does this kind of thing, has access to this, can do this, right? Of course. That's something that seems like science fiction, actually. But if they want to, they can zero in on your phone and completely listen to what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. So I feel like on the security side of things, but the thing is that, like they have to go out and actually want to do this and know who you are and, and sort of form a profile and have a reason to sort of... Um, invest in the time as well as in the sort of like materials needed to do this. They have to actively seek you out. Exactly. The, the thing I wonder though, Apple touts their privacy so much. Can they do that type of stuff with iPhones? I'd imagine so. I think that like what we know, and we keep talking about this. Remember what we were talking, I can't remember how long ago, but the idea, I think it was the, uh, the, what will get us first, uh, UFOs or sort of ourselves, um, episode where we talked about the idea of, um, the publicly available tech versus the private tech is probably like a decade ahead, if not more. Right. So I feel like no matter what the platform is, they have a solution to it. So you think they're ahead of Apple on this type of stuff where they can actually break into iPhones, but then what happened? Why was there so much trouble for them to break into that iPhone a few years ago? Which well, which agency, San Bernardino right? one? Remember that, right? But that was local, right? And so those, I, I feel like that was of a lower tier, lower priority. So you don't you don't want to play your full hand with a lot of these tools, right? You don't want to reveal the fact that you have them until you absolutely have to. And I think that like that was more of a lower stakes. Are you talking about that couple? Yeah. Well, look, yeah. this is how I look at it. I'd like to think that my iPhone is really secure and they can't access my camera and stuff without me knowing. But I think though I'm wrong. <laughs> That's the way I think of it. I, I, I'd like to think that it's it's private enough, but I do think I'm wrong. Uh, I think I'm wrong. If your only job is to sit down and try to figure out how to break into things, I think that like you're going to do it no matter you know how many uh, safeguards are put in place by a company. Yeah, and and look, like the NSA doesn't have any dum dums working there. They're all like super brilliant engineers for sure. And I mean, like once again, like who gets ahead of these things? You know, it's it's the black hat hackers, right? It's not necessarily the white hat hackers who um sort of pull ahead when it comes to all of these different matters because they have more of a zeal for these kinds of things, right? They don't treat it necessarily just as a job, but as a passion in a lot of ways. Exactly, and then the NSA tracks them down and hires them. <laughs> exactly, it is the plot to the movie Hackers, folks. Have you seen Hackers? Hack the world. So we talked about the security track. Now let's talk about the commercial track, right? So if they're not actively seeking you out and trying to um, collect information on you, it's uh, harder, uh, but not necessarily impossible to passively listen uh, for things like keywords, right? Oh, no, for sure. Or even just, you know, um, things that you've Googled. And, you know, like there's like the... You know, like we talk about how Facebook collects information on you based on the, you know, the one pixel that they use to on a lot of sites in order to track your comings and goings. Right. So it's not. Yeah, I really hate that. It's not impossible to think that this is a reality in which we live in. I, I understand it. I don't love it. I don't like it. I understand that this all exists. And uh, it would not surprise me if our devices are trained or these algorithms that they use are that marketers use are trained in order to find a lot of these things. So this brings up another point. This is like another vector for evil AI to spring from. Here's a quote from the article that I, I thought was uh, pretty scary in terms of where AI is going. What they've discovered is that the opacity of these systems runs so deep that a full explanation of how they work might be impossible even for experts. Not even the marketing people and data scientists completely understand how the algorithmic distribution of their content works, Brain said. Keep rating that as Brian, Brian, but it's Brain. It's Brain. 
they've created this black, big black box that perceives and understands the world in a way that is so complex that it is actually mysterious. That is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, too, is that like we've created these systems um, in order to be able to better track and better serve people. But after a certain point, uh, they run away from us. And that's when the AI war starts. And that's when we get got by the robots around us. But yeah, it's this really big problem of like, you know, um, where, at what point do you cut your tech off? And, you know, because right now it's mostly for commercial usages, right? They want to show you the products that they think you might actually be enticed to buy. And it's not nothing. It's not really malicious. Yeah, no. I mean, the idea is that they want to sell you, at, you know, at any cost. Maybe then that's a problem, right? Yeah, when once they're taking away your privacy just to sell you something you might like, because uh, some of the ads on Instagram aren't terrible. I sometimes I have a hard time seeing that they're an ad. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, which one of my friends posted that nice picture? And then it's like an ad for a bar. And you feel? Uh, do you feel betrayed? A little. I won't lie. <laughs> you wish that the internet just catered to you exclusively. Yeah, it's just also like when I follow somebody, and they're like pushing a product as long as they're doing it in a decent way it's okay but some of them are really bad at it that it's so blatantly like product placement i've had to silence certain uh, instagram stories from users in order not to see because every second one is like an ad for a product they're shilling yeah it's frustrating um, speaking of products uh, being shilled, uh, so the second article, so the first one has to do with our uh, devices listening to us this is specifically about tv usage and tv tracking this is bad. I kind of knew that I didn't like smart TVs, and this is the final nail in the coffin of me ever wanting to buy one. The problem is, it's not easy to just buy regular old dumb TVs anymore. Just buy a CRT, dude. A CRT, yeah. That's that's that. The switch will look great on that. <laughs> you never know. Just buy the the right adapters. You'll be fine. No, thank you. Um, but I wish they did sell just you know uh, a 4K screen with four HDMI inputs. That's the ethical it. smart TV. Yeah. I wish they did that, but they don't. And they all kind of insist on you uh, connecting them to Wi-Fi before they'll let you move forward. Yeah, and it's really annoying. So uh, we have one in the home here that I am not pleased with because you need connectivity for a lot of things, even stuff that doesn't necessarily uh, need connectivity in the past. Like we've had problems with the Blu-ray player because the internet has gone out. How does that make any sense in 2018? No, it's, it's a physical drive. That should not be the issue. I, I just want something I can plug in my Apple TV into that I know has some at least decent privacy. I'm not going to use the crappy interface on the TV. I want to use the, the crappy interface on my Apple TV. Yeah, yeah you want to pick your poison. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, right now, I don't need any TV. I have a, an 11-year-old Samsung that is far from smart. It, you know, it's 720p. I get to watch the TV shows I like. And my kid can poke at it because he's four years old and it doesn't matter. Balls bounce off of it when we're playing soccer in the living room. I do not care. Once I get a new TV, I'm hoping the kids will be older and I don't have to get it like next week. That would really suck. So you don't have to touch, you're not making them touch things with dirty hands like your uh, computer? No, this, yeah, the computer, is, has, the screen has never been touched by children's hands. What's the password? No food, no drink? That's exactly the family account password, which never gets used anyway. Well, good. Perfect. So it's the perfect solution to all that. But yeah, this New York Times article covers uh, this uh, marketing firm, uh, Samba TV, that collects information and data points based on uh, what you watch. And even it collects things like what video games you play, right? So it's not just simply um, what's on the screen, but other um, points of interest is sort of like how fast you click through. Jokes on them. I often watch um, simulations of TV snow. So good luck trying to figure out what that means. There's some excited people 
looking at your account saying, this Brian guy keeps watching snow. I'm so far outside the median that they're just very confused. You should watch the snow music video of Informer. <laughs> a Canadian classic. If you haven't uh, listened to that in a while, I'd suggest that everyone go out and do that uh, at least once, right? Oh, yeah, totally worth it. Yeah. Uh, and we may actually, so not joking with it, like you and I watched a ton of stuff like YouTube, for example, right? Like, uh, and I'm thinking we may end up covering some YouTube channels in the coming episodes, uh, more or less. I don't know. This it could seem like it could be a good idea. Yeah. I wouldn't mind telling people the YouTube channels I uh, like the most. So not only would Samit TV collect that information, but then we could also let other viewers in on what we watch too, so that we're kind of sharing our information across the board democratically. Exactly. And uh, speaking of YouTube, though, um, and being democratic about things, they're trying to prevent people from going down a weird conspiracy rabbit hole that seems to happen on YouTube quite a bit. Well, we've covered a lot of stories about how YouTube will serve up videos that are very uh, clickbaity in nature about things like Flat Earth, uh, 9-11, Barack Obama, President Trump, et cetera, et cetera, right? So um, you can very easily fall down one of these rabbit holes uh, through no fault of your own thanks to YouTube's algorithms. We keep talking about Flat Earthers all the time, but that's something that seems to have arisen with YouTube and people just looking at something interesting on YouTube and then realizing that the world is flat. Right. And that's the natural conclusion, right? You go from one YouTube video, you know, you go to one loose change and then you end up a flat earther. Yeah. Loose change is a big thing. And I think that came out before YouTube. Uh, so loose change first appeared somewhere on the internet. And I think it was it spread through uh, torrents uh, in mid 2005. So right before YouTube's uh, proper inception. Remember how hard it was to actually watch video back then on the internet? Oh yeah, dude. It was all like weird flash files or real media. Remember real media? Like yeah. 180p max? Real player. I used to download Transformers episodes before they were out on DVD through that. and But they were so, like, tinny sounding. Yeah, they were like 30 megs an episode, and you just you hoped that everything worked out okay when you finished a download. Oh, yeah, because it was so easy to be broken. We have it so good now. Seriously, we don't even need to step outside and search. We don't even need to open up our laptops and our, our computers in order to find good content anymore. Double density. So let's move back to the topic at hand, which is um, going forward. YouTube is supposed to include or quote unquote authoritative links um, when they detect any sort of conspiracy theory. And they are utilizing things like Wikipedia, which is peer edited stuff. So I don't know how authoritative that is. Well, what's going to happen is that people who post these crappy videos are going to go into Wikipedia and edit it to say that it's actually true. Back in my day, we called that brigading. Brigading. Wow. Yeah. You remember that? No, because I'm not a millennial. Okay. Well, no, no, you're not a netizen like the rest of us are here. No, I, I just shake my fist at my computer. Shouts out to anyone who ever used and maintained an easy board back in the day. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's fine. That's fine. Those who do understand me and those who don't, well, they're named Angela and they co-host a podcast with me. How about technology? Yeah, no less. But yeah, so uh, YouTube and Google News are trying to offer up um, a, a lot of uh, authoritative links to, um, yeah, a lot of these fringe topics. And I wonder how that's going to go going forward. I'm kind of curious. I'm going to start poking around the next couple of weeks and see if I can find anything uh, that comes up that sort of uh, puts this uh, measure into play. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to follow up on this over the next few weeks. So um, keep me posted, Brian. Well, I mean, if any of our users or listeners out there who are using, uh, yeah, no, I was just, cause I was thinking about YouTube users listening to us. Yeah. Uh, if anyone out there wants to go ahead and let us know if you've seen anything in the wild, you can, uh, tweet us at double underscore density with that, Angela. I will see you in the paranormal section. That sounds like a plan. Good evening, everybody, or 
morning or afternoon or whatever. My name is Adam. And I'm Matt. And we are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like stories of ghosts, hauntings, the paranormal, preternatural, and the downright weird, and you enjoy a few laughs as well, then you should probably check us out. Find us anywhere you get your podcast. Come join our Facebook group at Graveyard Tales Podcast or on Twitter at G-R-V-E-Y. Just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. We look forward to seeing you in the graveyard. See you soon. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from a tech to the paranormal. And this week, Angela, we have a veritable grab bag of things. So what I've got here is the patented Double Density Wheel of Fortune. And so there are several uh, topics here up for picks. We have space stuff, mummy and demon stuff, UFO stuff, cryptid stuff. So I'm going to spin this and we're going to begin uh, and see where we start tonight. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. Spin it. All right, here we go. All right, we've, we've stopped. We have landed on space stuff. Angelo, are you ready to talk about Mars? Go for it. So it turns out that in 1976, the uh, Viking probes had landed and accidentally destroyed um, some uh, Martian organisms. And uh, so they were unable to figure out why. But in 2008, the Phoenix lander found uh, something called uh, uh, perchlorate, which is um, a, a salt used to make fireworks on Earth. But apparently that plus um, the heat from the thrusters uh, from these landers may have accidentally like burnt off uh, organisms. So anything wherever they landed, everything was kind of dead anyway. Yeah, exactly. So they, they weren't sure what exactly they had killed in 1976, but now it seems to be that the leading idea is that uh, a mixture of different fluids and uh, salts and things like that uh, attributed um, to this kind of uh, accidental uh, organism death. What's frustrating about this is that it seems to pay, basically have set us back 40 years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, um, landing on Mars in the 70s was like a very big thing, right? It was, for sure. I mean, landing on Mars now is a very big thing, too. But yeah, uh, we still continue to find things. They found water. You know, there are polar ice caps on there. Um, there's a lot of on Mars that we've yet to explore, including the uh, infamous face on Mars, Angela, which is not a face at all, as we have covered here before. Uh, to anyone out there who believes that there is an actual face on Mars, there is a remote viewing DVD set I'd love to sell you. You know, it'd be nice to, to to hear from somebody who actually believes in the face of Mars. If you really, deeply, truly believe in that, hit up our contact form on our website because uh, we want Double to hear from you. Go ahead and click on contact and send us a tiny little email all about how you believe the face on Mars is a real thing. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll even read it if it's actually decently written. Yeah, and in, in, in a neutral tone. Yes. 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 We'll, we'll treat it the same way that we treat spam. Yeah. Which we yeah. read in a neutral tone. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's uh, let's spin the wheel again, shall we? Yeah. Hold on a second, let me get the wheel. All right. We are landing on mummy and demon stuff. Angelo, three words for you. Big black sarcophagus. I saw this come up on Twitter, and I was wondering, what is going on in the world? Between that and also those kids being rescued from that cave, it feels like we're in this weird movie where something bad is just about to happen. Right. So uh, as of the recording here, July 17th, uh, Egypt has yet to open up uh, the large black sarcophagus that they found at the beginning of the month. And we're talking massive here. We're talking about uh, it's Thanos size. Yeah, like a big, big one. Yeah. So we'll see uh, what that's about. It's kind of curious. A lot of people have been begging the Egyptian authorities not to open it up for fear that something will fly out and grab you or, you know, take over the world or whatever. Hi, everyone. As I edit this episode, news came that the sarcophagus was open and nothing evil flew out of it. 
All that was found were human bones in a pool of sewage. Now back to the show. And there's, they also discovered a large alabaster head, right, um, in the same tomb, which is kind of really cool. Um, there's a picture on the sciencelord.com article that we'll link to below. I also found a great National Geographic article that talks about what this can and can, could not theoretically be in terms of like what kind of bodies or properties these were. So it's, it's a more of an in-depth read that I would suggest that everyone do. My guess it's one of the Nephilim. Oh, you think so? Oh, With the, yeah, like, the wings sure. intact? Wings oh, yeah, intact. for sure. For sure. Wow. Yeah. All right. What could space be? What could it be made of? What the heck is all those lights out there? Is it just a black curtain with holes in it? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Double density. All right, let's spin this wheel again. Let's take a look. Angela, we have two uh, things left here on the patented double density wheel of wonder. Take a look. We've landed on UFO stuff, Angelo. Our bread and butter. Yeah, pretty much like our, our rock, right? And we, we've yet to really return to our rock in a couple of episodes. So I'm kind of excited to, to go um, a little bit into this. But uh, recently, uh, a 2017 survey of Canadian UFO settings has been released. And uh, we're going to link to a Globe and Mail uh, article all about this. Um, so the CPs that the Canadian press has put out a short story about uh, someone digging through some of these and kind of coming up with anecdotal um, tidbits of uh, stories and uh, the like. Yeah, according to this, uh, we're the winners of the most sightings in Canada, with uh, Quebec having 518 sightings. So Manitoba-based ufology research on uh, Tuesday of last week released the fact that there were 1,101 sightings in 2017, which is kind of in the middle of the last couple of years. So in 2016, there were 1,132, and in 2015, there were 1,265. So kind of, you know, we've maintained about like three to four per day. Yeah, and I am amazed, though, that Quebec has like almost half of those. One of the ones from the article from 2017, uh, I will read this very quickly. So September 23rd, 8.30 p.m., 10 people watched as a red triangular object approached saint jean Baptiste, Quebec from the northeast and came to a stop above them. It was stationary for several seconds before its red lights intensified, then flickered before it moved away. That's uh, my son's birthday. Uh, is that the night that he saw the man behind the moon? Maybe. How often do you shake your child and ask him if he's a star child? I've never shaken my child. A child of the cosmos. Okay. Have you ever stared at him in the eyes and asked him if he's a child of the cosmos? When uh, they get back from grandma's, I will ask him. Very politely though, because you don't want to perturb these these children of the cosmos. No, no, I don't. Perfect. So what we're going to do is we're going to link to the uh, Globe and Mail article in the show notes. You can go ahead and uh, read through this and congratulate Canada on being really, really good at spotting things in the sky. Yeah, we're really good at that. A lot of of, uh, country over here. So it's... uh, some dark spaces, no light pollution, great for UFO viewing. I'd say like Canada is an ideal space because of its different terrains and different uh, climates that, uh, and has a long and rich history uh, compared to its uh, size and uh, history of, uh, of the country. Yeah, for sure. So Angela, I'm not going to spin the wheel for this one because it's the last thing on our docket for paranormal stuff, but we're going to talk about cryptids. Are you excited? I like cryptids. Like I said, they're the most believable of paranormal things. Do you like turtles? Turtles are fine. I was hoping you'd say the immortal, uh, you know what I'm talking about, the meme, the I like turtles meme? I have no idea what you're talking about. Really? It's I like don't. one of the most famous memes on the internet. Wow. Well, uh, I guess I should give up my uh, tech on, podcast Steph, you know hosting the, I, badge. You know, you know the I like turtles meme, right? Yeah, the I like turtle one? Yeah, she's nodding yes. Hi. Well, of the course she knows it. Her boyfriend showed it to her. Yeah, well, she knows it independent of me, so don't even... She, there we go. See, I like turtles. You don't even know that? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so um, a Facebook page called uh, Sasquatch Metrics, the PNW uh, Sasquatch, released a um, 
I don't know, like a, a PSA or a warning sheet uh, over uh, at uh, the Kootenai National Park. They're claiming about how uh, you need to watch out for the Sasquatch, right? So this is a, an official branded Forest Service uh, memo asking people to watch out for a Sasquatch. Yeah, I thought it was actually really funny. And I was trying to figure out if it was real or not. And then uh, I read the next article. Right, which is a <laughs> Facebook link uh, from the U.S. Forest Service Kootenai National Forest uh, indicating that uh, this is, in fact, I'm going to read, the Sasquatch poster that is circulating around Facebook and other areas was not created by or coming from the U.S. Forest Service or the Kootenai National Forest. So the fact that they've actually had to officially deny this makes uh, me wonder how uh, popular this uh, fake one became. Or it got out and now they just have to deny it. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so I think there's like the, the deny track, but I want to read from the official, uh, sorry, the quote unquote official, the, the first one, the hoax one. So uh, do not be alarmed. If you have an encounter, remain calm and follow these simple steps to stay safe. Do not run from Sasquatch. Do not chase Sasquatch. Do not yell at Sasquatch. Do not feed Sasquatch. Do go about your business and do not take photos. <laughs> Sounds like the warnings for gremlins. Yeah, yeah. Almost. Do not feed after midnight. Do not give them water. Uh, but yeah, so the fact that the U.S. <laughs> Forest Service had to come out and say, hey, guys, uh, this is actually not real means uh, makes me believe that they actually got a number of phone calls, probably. Oh, yeah. Whoever had to answer the phone that day must have been super pissed off. So you believe that this uh, let's like if you want to play devil's advocate and let's get a little fun, because I know that we tend to go a little skeptical, but like, let's pretend that these are actually real, right? That uh, the U.S. Forest Service is uh, denying these uh, sightings. But hey, uh, they could be real. A rogue member of the team sent out the truth. Right. Did you know that it is illegal to kill a Sasquatch in uh, certain parts of Washington state? I did after reading this National Geographic article, really weird laws regarding animals. Uh, but my favorite was the Bigfoot one. Right. So if you, so, um, and we talked about this earlier, uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch interchangeable uh, in terms of names, in terms of uh, raison d'être, you know, in terms of like why they exist. Same yeah. thing. You asked me off mic what, what it, uh, if, if they're the same thing, I do think it's the same thing. Cause it's I've always, a, I've always taken it for granted that they're the same term just applied, you know, uh, differently. It's like a groundhog and a woodchuck. Right. Uh, so coming back to uh, all things Sasquatch. So uh, Skamania County in Washington has outlawed the fact that you uh, cannot kill uh, a Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Uh, so this was a 1984 ordinance. And apparently the big thing is because they were scared that people were going to shoot other people in the name of Sasquatch or Bigfoot hunting. They covered it really well. They didn't actually name it a Bigfoot or Sasquatch. I think they just said a hairy ape-like creature. Right, right. Which uh, leads me to my next question, kind of like the the thought piece of this episode. And I think this is something... So I've been listening to a lot of um, older podcasts and things like that that have sort of covered a lot of cryptids. And the question often arises as to whether or not you want to classify a Bigfoot or Sasquatch as a human or an animal. And there are arguments for each. So I'm kind of curious to see where you fall on this. They would have to be able to communicate freely among each other, Right. Uh, animals can communicate with each other, but it's not like they can carry on a, an intelligent conversation. Uh, when my cat out, uh, sees like another cat outside, it just hisses at it and lets it know, okay, uh, this is my territory. I'm pissed off. Get away from me. Whereas a human can politely say, oh, please leave my uh, my land. You're trespassing. Or can shoot them <laughs> with a weapon. Uh, the, the, so what you're saying is there's a level of eloquence there. But what about things like gorillas, right? Like they understand and can speak language. Yeah, but there's dolphins too. Yeah, the dolphins worry me because if AI isn't going to take over, they might. Uh, <laughs> but again, uh, the, uh, they haven't created a whole civilization 
That we know of, really, because we haven't broken the code. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but the, the, you don't see uh, dolphins popping out with iPhones. No, but I mean, there's a hierarchy there. There is, I guess. It's just... There's a society built around them, no matter how primitive it is. Yeah, it, again, it, it's a, like if we discovered dolphins on another planet, it would be amazing discovering. It's, it's space just dolphins. Not, yeah, space dolphins, but it's just not that they're uh, of a higher intelligence. Who knows? They maybe are, but I'm, what I'm talking about is a society that creates a whole civilization. But do you feel like maybe we've had more time to do that, to refine our process? They're just beginning in their current modern forms? I don't really think so. It's not the same thing. Uh, an animal, uh, I'm sure there's a real good way of defining this, of which uh, with my limited uh, expertise in the topic, I can't uh, quite spit it out. But So what you're I, saying is that your art history degree has no place in this uh, cryptozoological <laughs> no, d- debate? Not at all. Uh, I'm just a guy <laughs> doing a podcast uh, where I don't think uh, Bigfoot, um, multiple Bigfoot, are... Um, we talked about this. It's Bigfoot's Big Feet. No, it's Bigfoot. Yes, no, it's Big Feet. Okay. You're wrong, but that's fine. Every time and, I bring this up, I decide that I'm going this way, and I don't care what you guys say. Okay, well, look, let's end this. Uh, Bigfoot is not the same thing as a human. Okay, that's interesting uh, because there are implications for each, right? So the idea is that if you um, shoot a Bigfoot and it is classified as a human, that is attempted, if not successful murder, right? <laughs> successful murder. I don't think that's what they call it in court, but yes. <laughs> no, homicide. but you know what I mean. Like, yes, uh, homicide. Whereas if it's like an ape, you're protecting yourself. Well, it's also like, so if it's an ape though, it's an endangered species, so you can get just as much trouble in Oh theory. yeah, I look- Either way, I'm not for shooting these things at all. I, I agree with not shooting a rare animal. Unless you're in complete danger and it's going to attack you, then maybe. Well, apparently, according to the U.S. Forest Service, they will not attack you. Yeah, unless you scream or try to take well, a Well, even then, I them. think. Yeah, even then, I think, right? <laughs> I, I, I do think there are arguments to be made for each, I think. Uh, it's hard to say because we have so little information on these, right? So the idea that they communicate in different ways. We're not really sure how they communicate, right? Like, we know that they, they knock may... on wood, don't they? Well, some of them do, and then like some of them make sounds too, right? Just like a chimpanzee would, allegedly. Ale- yes, like the caveat of like allegedly, right? Uh, so once again, if we're shooting these people, then like uh, you know, people. Are, you, call, we, so you called them people, so are you on was, that side? I was about to get into that. Um, uh, we don't know much about them, right? Like we don't know if they procreate for fun or for utilitarian reasons, right? Which is a big kind of demarcation because the majority of the animal world tends to do one and not the other. Yeah, for sure. I do think that uh, we haven't gotten our hands on any of these, right? So we can't really look at their genitalia. We can't really look at their body composition. <laughs> okay, if that's where you're going to go. Well, I mean, like, it's a good indicator. You know, we can't, we can't look at their digits, right? Their, their, their limbs. Their phone we don't numbers? Know what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> a Bigfoot. Didn't we talk about this the last time we talked about Bigfoot, the idea of them using the internet at the, like, the public library, looking themselves up? Maybe. I don't remember, yeah. but yeah, it's <laughs> possible. I, and I still hold firm that one day it just might happen. A disgruntled Bigfoot or big feet, a, a series of big feats will enter our a public library, assumingly, and just sit down and try to um, look up information and edit their own Wikipedia entry or whatever. Yeah, I always just picture Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. Big, dumb, lovable. Yeah. Unlike that dark black sarcophagus. <laughs> if a Bigfoot jumps out of that thing. It'll be amazing. Just imagine that. It, we would have predicted a whole thing based on the show. Yeah. And uh, then everything would be over. We would have had like a full double density circle, as it were, right? Simulation done. You guys yeah. reached the end. And like, what if that's like the, well, that was the goal of the simulation is to find the sarcophagus? That's the end of the game. We hit the end screen. Like, insert your initials. That's it. It's over. Yeah. Kill screen, guys. Coming up. Kill screen right now. It's very scary, but you know what? If we want to get Pomo with it, like, absolutely. Why not? What is Pomo? 
postmodern, my friend. Oh my god, I don't remember. Meaning that, is that, derived from the reader. My from my the uh, our history degree should have reminded me of that, but it did not. I'm going to give you some offline double density homework to refresh your brain about these things. Get ready for some exciting times ahead, Angelo. Well, uh, speaking of double density homework, somebody did his homework. Yes. So this week we recently received a review from Johnny Stitches, um, and then we're going to read the review. So thank you very much, Johnny, for leaving a review. The subject is Two Great Worlds Collide, and he says, I love the natural friendship between the two hosts. I feel like I'm in a room with them and just sitting on a really cool hangout session. I'm a huge fan of Apple products, so I love the banter back and forth on those. Plus UFOs, hell yeah. Also some amazing interviews with some really cool guests. It's a show that no matter what I like, I walk away learning something I didn't know before I press play. So thank you very, very much, Johnny. Uh, We very much appreciate that. Yeah, uh, again, keep these reviews coming we really enjoy hearing from you guys and knowing that we're doing something and uh, i'm still trying to understand if these reviews help us uh, get more listeners in the apple podcasts store is it a store if it's free uh the depository depository yes (laughs) the directory the apple podcast directory which everybody pulls from so Johnny is one of the masterminds behind Sirenicide, which is a serialized horror drama. You can head over to sirenicide.com in order to hear, I think they're up to episode 22 or 23. Um, really fun stuff. I don't know if you had a chance. I'm not a really big fan of serialized horror and drama podcasts, but uh, they do a really good job. Yeah, if something's well done, I really enjoy listening to it. So there you go. So thanks once again to Johnny. And hey, if you want to leave us, as Angela was saying, a couple of reviews, we wouldn't be angry about that, would we? Nope, not at all. Uh, you can always find us on the internet too if you don't want to leave us a review, but you want to yell at us for me saying big feats or Angelo uh, prophesizing the kill, the oncoming kill screen of the video game known as reality. You can go ahead and visit us on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, the same thing on Instagram. Head on over to double density.net, click on the contact page in order to uh, send us a little email. You can click on the hosts page to take a look at our non uh, summer ready bodies. We're very pasty looking in these pictures that we've used. And uh, you can also find uh, out where to subscribe to us as well as all of our newest episodes so you can go ahead and do that too right on the website if you want though not on youtube because angelo is anti-youtube when it comes to podcasts i don't think it's the right place for a podcast (sighs) sometimes people don't have options angelo well they're not listening to this if they were waiting for it to be on youtube and with that angelo i'm going ahead and going to close the discussion down for this episode tune into double density next week as we dedicate an entire segment to blowing open a portal in between earth and hell so angelo you first see ya (laughs) bye angelo bye What they've discovered, though, is that... Oh, I read that wrong.